You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Amazing. Thank you. You can take your seat. Thank you so much. I just want to say before I um, preach this morning, um, I want to say thank you and just honor Pastor Luke and Marilyn. Um, they have been an enormous part of my life. Um, in more ways than just this, what you see now, but um, since I was five, I've been going and spending um, school holidays and weekends at their house, and um, I used to know Luke much more with Cabbage Patch dolls and all sorts of different things um, as I have grown up in their home, really. Um, um, Their daughter, April, was one of my best friends growing up, and so uh, this is a very special place to me, and it has always been an enormous part of my life, and I'm very thankful to you both for all of the input that you have given me right from a young age um, to now, um, and um, I just want to honour you both for the way that you hold everything so lightly, um, and uh, you give opportunity you gave an opportunity to a 15-year-old girl to preach here on a Sunday morning. I don't know who was more nervous, you or me. <laughs> um, but um, I will never, ever take for granted the privilege that it is to stand on this platform. And um, my prayer is that I'm just able to serve you guys um, as your pastor um, for the season, the next season as God calls me to. So thank you. Thank you. If you're watching online, it's so good to have you uh, join us today. I've got a message for you, and I hope, given that I'm now the lead pastor of this campus, that we're still going to be friends at the end of this message, uh, because it's one that I really felt God leading me to bring, but it's one that kind of wrestles into some of those uncomfortable places in your heart. And so I'm going to ask you this morning to be open to what God has to share with you, and I'm calling this message High Places. You can take out your notes, you'll find them in the app, you'll find them online. And there's a passage of scripture in 2 Kings verse 15 that I want to start with today. And it says, verse 1, it says, chapter 15, verse 1, in the 27th year of Israel's King Jeroboam, uh, in the 27th year of Israel's King Jeroboam, Azariah, son of Amaziah, became king of Judah. He was 16 years old when he became king. And he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah. She was from Jerusalem. Azariah did what was right in the Lord's sight, just as his father, his father Amaziah had done. Yet the high places, everyone say high places. Yet the high places were not taken away. The people continued sacrificing and burning incense on the high places. Let's pray and then we'll get stuck into it. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your presence is in this place and that right now, wherever we have come from in our life, Lord, you wanna speak to us today. And so we open our hearts to you, Lord, to what you have to say. I thank you for this word. I thank you for um, scripture, that it is God-breathed, Lord. It is as alive today, as relevant today, as it was the day it was written. And so I pray that you would take these old words from an old book and make them real to us in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. I was recently helping a friend of mine move house. And as I was unpacking her kitchen, I began to realise that in every home, I believe, all across the world, you find the same spaces and places. In every home, you find a second drawer. 
Now, everybody has a second drawer. It might not be physically located as the second drawer. It might be your top drawer or even your bottom drawer, but we all know the second drawer because the second drawer has got all those things you don't know what to do with, but you don't want to get rid of, so you just pop it in the second drawer, right? If in doubt, the second drawer. It's filled with uh, foreign currency to countries you will never go to again. It's filled with keys to houses you don't live in anymore. It's filled with um, pens that don't work, light bulbs that don't go, and instruction manuals to appliances that you don't, uh, you no longer own. It's the second drawer. You know it. In fact, I'm, some of you are picturing the second drawer in your house, thinking, "Dear, I really should give that a clean out." Um, it's the second drawer. But there's another place that I think is in every home all across the world, and that is the top shelf. The top shelf. In fact, most of us have got more than one top shelf in our home. The top shelf is the place that tippy toes sometimes aren't enough. Sometimes you have to get a stepladder to reach the top shelf, and it's the perfect place to put things that you don't want anyone to access. It's the perfect place to put sweets and lollies away from your children. It's the perfect place to put Christmas presents before Santa has been. It's the perfect place to put your shopping that you don't want your husband to know that you've got. There's no nothing on any top shelves in our house, by the way. Uh, It's the perfect place to put all the things that are no longer beneficial or useful to your life, but you don't really want to get rid of them, so you just put it on the top shelf. And the thing about the top shelf is that the reason why we're happy to put things up there is because we are hoping that we won't have to get up and and pull them down and deal with them anytime soon. The top shelf is the place we put all the things that we don't want anyone to have access to. And as I was unpacking my friend's kitchen and we were trying to decide what was appropriate for the top shelf or not, I began to wonder if the top shelf in our kitchen is not the only place we put things we don't want people to have access to. I began to wonder if for you and I, there are areas of our life that we have built a top shelf for, that we tuck things away out of reach and out of sight from God. You see, in 2 Kings, where I read a passage to you from a long list of kings. 2 Kings has this long list of kings and some of the kings are described as doing what was right in the Lord's sight. Some were described as doing what was evil in the Lord's sight, but then there were a stream of kings who were described as doing what was right in the Lord's sight and yet who kept the high places, high places where altars were built for the worship, for worship to other gods. See, what the Israelites had done was they had allowed God lordship, access and authority into some areas of their life, some areas of their life. And yet there were other areas of their lives and their land and their living that they kept out of reach, unsubmitted, and unsurrendered to God. And I wonder if even though we go to church and even though we read our Bibles most of the time and even though we pray and and even though we try and do what was right in the Lord's sight, I wonder if in you and in me, there is perhaps some areas of our life that we pop on a, high place and keep out of reach from God. And I want to take a moment to you to pose to you that 
there are perhaps some ways and some places in our lives that we do this. And I think, listen, I think we actually do it in so many different places and so many different ways, but I've just picked four today. And my prayer is that you would be able to just be open to what God might wanna say to you today about some of the high places that could be lingering in your life. And the first thing is this, and you can write this down. The first thing is the traditions that we hold tightly to. The traditions that we hold tightly to. I'm not sure if in the room or online you've got any traditions in your family. In my family at Christmas time, we have this one tradition that I have never forgotten. And on this, for this tradition, every Christmas Eve, my family would light a candle. We would light that candle and we would leave it burning all night long in the window of our house. I know. It doesn't sound very safe, does it? A burning candle, candle unattended all night by your curtains. <laughs> Don't worry, the oldest child in the family lit it. We were safety first on that one. Uh, but this was a tradition that my family did year after year after year. It was meant to symbolize to Jesus that if he were to come again, he would know that seeing a candle lit in our house would mean there was room in our inn for him were he to come and visit us again. A lovely tradition that I thought every family across the world did. I thought on Christmas Eve all across New Zealand as we were lighting our candles, so was everybody else. Until I came to meet Steve and I spent some time with his family over Christmas and come Christmas Eve, I said, when are we going to light the candle? He's like, what candle? I'm like, the one, the one to show Jesus that there's room in our inn. He's like, we don't light a candle. What are you talking about? I'm like, doesn't everybody, do you not light a candle? He's like, no, I've, we've never lit a candle. We don't do, I'm like, but how will Jesus know that there's room in our inn? Tradition. We hold pretty tightly to it, don't we? And I begin to wonder that even as Christians, are there perhaps some religious traditions that we hold way more sacredly than we should? I mean, can I say this, that maybe we come to church and we sit in our same seat, and I know you do because I can see you. In fact, it, we could probably draw a map, couldn't we? position everyone in their seats. And we, we sing our favourite songs. We sing them nice and loud, but I'm not so sure about the new ones. And we laugh at the preacher's jokes, but hmm, I'm not quite sure about that. That was a little bit challenging. And then, oh, if there's going to be any change, oh, I'm not sure how I really, I just don't know how I feel about change. I'm not sure if that's going to be all right. But do you know where the Israelites and the kings and second kings went wrong? They tried to do what was right in the Lord's sight, but what tripped them up every time was that they held too tightly to the practices and the traditions that they were used to. In fact, Jesus spoke to the Pharisees about it time and time again in the New Testament of traditions and practices that they held more sacredly than we should. Could it be that there are some areas of our life that we say to God, God, when it comes to this or that, you can go for it, go for gold. But Lord, don't even think of touching that. 
right? Do we do this or not? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I do this in my life. And so what we do is we take our traditions and we build a high place and we just tuck it up there, nice and safe and unsubmitted and unsurrendered to God. And it could be that there are some things in your church life or your, your devotional life, your faith life that you've been doing for so long, but actually God might wanna bring some change too. And it could be that there's something about your view of God and how you picture Him to be that you have always believed, but maybe God actually just wants to bring a new revelation to you. Or perhaps it's something to do with how you view others, how you view people that don't fit into our little religious traditional boxes, but maybe God wants to bring a fresh vision for you of who God's bringing into your life. There are new places that God wants to take you in your faith and your life, and it's gonna take us taking down the high place of tradition. So, I want you to ask this question of yourself. I've popped it in your notes there. The question is, what religious traditions have I put in high places that God might be asking me to lay down? What religious traditions have I put in high places that God is asking me to lay down? It's time to take down the high places. Number two, here's a big one. Are you ready for it? Okay, don't hate me, all right? It's the sins we wanna keep hidden. The sins we want to keep hidden. There's a, a moment in 2 Kings 17 where the king of Assyria, so he's a, a baddie king, all right? The king of Assyria, what he does is he exiles the Israelites. He, he takes them out. He picks them up and he deports them. He takes them and makes them live in a different land. And then what he does is he takes all these groups of other people from their lands and he moves them to live in Israelite land. They're like, Uh, refugees living in a foreign land. But what he realises, the king of Assyria, what he realises is that it's not gonna go well for them unless they learn about the practices and the things that the God of the land, the God of the Israelites, is what he is like. Unless they learn what he is like, it's not gonna go well for them. So this is what he does in 2 Kings 17, verse 27. It says, then the king of Assyria issued a command. Send back one of the Israelite priests that you have deported. Have him go and live there so he can teach them the requirements of the God of the land. So one of the priests that they had deported came and lived in Bethel and he began to teach them how they should fear the Lord. But listen to what it says in verse 33. It says, they feared the Lord, but they also worshiped their own gods, listen, according to the practices of the nations from which they had been deported. Do you know I think that we too often live like this? God has deported us. He's moved us. He's taken us out of our old land, our old ways of living, and He's moved us into a new and fruitful and godly land. And yet so many times we are still living with some practices in our life that actually belong in the old land. See, when Christ died for you, He died to set you free from the power of sin and death in your life. In other words, He died to release you from the practices of your old land. And He's called you to live in the new land, fruitful and faithful to Him. 
And yet for some of us, we gave our life to Christ, but continued living in the ways of the old land. We've continued with some of the sin in our life that He's actually set you free from. See, what we've done is we've gone and built a high place and we've taken some of those things that we wanna keep hidden, some of those sins of the old land and we just pop it up there nice and high, out of reach and unsubmitted to God. Practices like drunken habits or even porn addiction, lust, some of those things, immorality. Practices like deceitfulness or anger and lashing out or, or maybe even some of the ways that we use our words when we use them, you know, even in vulgar conversation or swearing or those jokes that you know just are not right anymore. But listen to what it says in Psalm 32. It says, for day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is faithful to pray to you immediately, when great floodwaters come, they will not reach him. Listen to this line. It says, you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. See, all too often, I think we hide in sin, but His Word calls us to hide in Him. And it's time now to take down the high place of sin in your life and move yourself from hiding in sin to hide in Him. The question I wanna ask you today is, what has God taken me out of that I am still living in? In other words, what sin am I keeping out of reach hidden from God? It's time to take down the high places in your life. Number three, are you still my friend? We're going okay, aren't we? We're all right, all right. Number three, here it is. This is another thing I think we build a high place for is the things we justify. The things we justify. In 2 Kings 18, we read about another king, but he's a different king. His name is King Hezekiah. And King Hezekiah is known because he actually took down the high places, the Bible says. He destroyed all the high places. And the Bible says that he followed God's command. He was faithful. It says he didn't turn from the left or to the right. He was faithful, King Hezekiah. And the king of Assyria, remember the baddie king, he came to King Hezekiah and tried to attack him. And he sent a spokesperson Uh, to King Hezekiah. And we read another account of the same story in Isaiah 36. And I wanna read to you from there in verse 16 to 17. This is the message that that, um, the king of Assyria gave to King Hezekiah. It said, don't listen to, to the people that King Hezekiah was leading. It said, don't listen to Hezekiah, for this is what the king of Assyria says. Listen to these words. It says, make peace with me and surrender to me. Then every one of you may eat from his own vine and his own fig tree and drink water from his own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. See, this is what the high places in your life will try and promise you. The promise of an earthly king is always a promise that says what you give up will far, what you, what you get will far outweigh what you give up. 
Uh, the, the promise of those high places and the things you justify will always tell you that compromise is a necessary evil to get what you want in this life. But these promises are laced and tainted with selfishness, self-service. Did you hear it? It said, then you will get your own vineyard and then you will have your own cistern to drink water from. Your own, your own, your own. But the thing about it is that what it's offering is a counterfeit land. They said, I'm gonna bring you into a land that's like your own land. It's a counterfeit. It's not the real deal. It might be like it, but it's not the land God promised you. And that is what justifiable compromises will try and tell you. They'll try and come into your life and they'll try to say, oh, make peace with me. Make peace with me. I'm not so bad in your life, am I? I'm just a little thing. See, it's not gonna be the big obvious sins in your life. It's not gonna be like the 10 commandments stuff. It's not gonna be the, the adultery and the murderers and all those types of sins. It's gonna be the little things. It's gonna be, and they'll, they'll creep in and they'll say, oh, it's not so bad, is it? It's all right, I'm okay being here. Make peace with me, make peace with me, make peace with me. Surrender to me. The things that we justify as not being so bad, things like unforgiveness and bitterness, things like pride or gossip, like little baby white lies, like laziness or hypocrisy or jealousy. It's the things that we become so accustomed to in our life that they are now comfortable to have in our life. In fact, it's more comfortable for us to keep them there than to bring them out and deal with them because, ooh, that's uncomfortable. You want to talk about uncomfortable? That's uncomfortable. And so what do we do? We pack them up into a nice little box. Let's see if I can do this. And we pop them up into a high place, out of reach. I won't be able to get that back down. And out of access, unsurrendered to God. And so we need to ask ourselves, what areas in my life have I actually made peace with? that I really need to submit to God and allow him to deal with. It's time to take down the high places. The fourth and final thing, the fourth and final area that I think we do this with, and this is a little bit different, but it's the prayers we haven't seen answered yet. I think we do this in this area. I, I think it's something we all do. Um, we went to Disney World at the beginning of the year. We took the kids along before COVID happened. And uh, we took the kids along to Disney World and um, we had a great time. And every time we'd get on a ride, right before we'd get on a ride, the staff would give us an opportunity to hand over our precious belongings so that they wouldn't fall out of the ride. Good idea. But every time I would go to hand it over, I would look at my bag and I'd think about my wallet and my keys and my phone and my favourite sunglasses and my favourite hat. And I couldn't bring myself to hand it over and place it in, in the hands of someone unknown but safe. And so what I would do is I would take it on the ride with me. And it wasn't until I was halfway round hanging upside down on the ride that I suddenly realised that if I was gonna keep this thing safe and prevent it from falling out, I was gonna have to grip for dear life. See, strange, isn't it, that sometimes it's more comfortable for us to cling for dear life than to let go to a safe but seemingly unknown place because at least then I'm holding on to it. 
At least then it's in my hands and I know where it is. And I wonder if there are certain areas in our life, certain things that we want so desperately that we struggle to even hand them over to God. Are there some things that are so precious that we can't bear to let them go into the hands of someone else, even if it is God? So what do we do? Well, we build a high place and we pop it up there nice and high, out of reach from God and me. (laughs) Unsurrendered and unsubmitted. Because it's really hard to hand over those things, isn't it? Ever prayed a prayer that you wanted so badly that you can't even pray it out loud anymore for fear of getting your hopes up? Ever had something that you wanted so desperately that you can't even utter the words? I'm reminded of the story in 2 Kings 4 where we met a woman who had a prayer she didn't want to say out loud. Uh, She had one of those prayers, one of those hopes and dreams that she didn't want to hand over to anyone. In 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, it says, One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a prominent woman who lived there persuaded him to eat some food. So whenever he passed by, he stopped there and he ate. She said to her husband, I know that the one who passes by is a holy man of God, so let's make a small walled-in room for him. And we'll put a table and a chair and a bed and a lamp so that whenever he comes by, he can stop and stay here. Now, Elisha was so taken by the woman's hospitality that he wanted to say thank you for her kindness. And and so um, he was looking for some way to bless her. And his helper, Gehazi, mentions to him, she doesn't have a son. They are without children. And so he calls her to him. And it says that she stood, as she stood in the doorway, Elisha said to her, at this time next year, you will have a son in your arms. Listen to her reply. She says, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your servant. What is she saying? She's saying, don't get my hopes up. Don't get my hopes up. It seems to me that this prayer for a child was the kind of prayer that she had prayed for years and years and years. And time and time again, she heard no answer. She she saw an unfulfilled promise. And so after a while, she boxed up that prayer. She put it in a high place, out of access and out of reach, even from God, so that her hopes couldn't be dashed anymore. Ever had a prayer like that? Ever had a prayer, something you've been believing for and you've been disappointed at so many turns that you have decided that that prayer is now too painful for even God to hear? Ever moved your prayer from your prayer list to your high place so that your hopes wouldn't be dashed anymore? I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up now. Let's see what happened next. It says in verse 17, the woman conceived and gave birth to a son at that same time the following year as as Elisha had promised. That's not the end of the story though. Listen to this. In verse 18, it says, the child grew and one day went out to his father and the harvesters. Suddenly he complained to his father, my head, my head. The father told his servant, carry him to his mother. Typical man, isn't it? Just kidding. So he picked up the boy and he took him to his mother. The child sat on her lap until noon and then died. What? He died? So she went up, she laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut him in and left. And she went from the house to find Elisha. What was she doing? This time, she was handling her promise differently. 
instead of keeping her desperate cry out of reach and hidden, she took the promise, her dying promise, and she took it to the one who promised him to her in the first place. She took the promise and she allowed the man of God to come in and have access to the hidden place that she had housed that promise. And I think Elisha goes back and he goes back to the room, he goes up to the room, he prays for the child, the child lives. And I think that there are some of us in the room today and we need to take down the high place of unanswered prayer and surrender it to God again. We need to take the dying promise to the one who promised it to us in the first place. And the question I have for you is this, is there an unanswered prayer or an unfulfilled promise that you need to surrender back to God again? You need to surrender back to God again. Do you remember King Hezekiah? Remember the faithful king, the one who didn't turn to the left or to the right? Well, King, the king of Assyria had a message for him too. This was the message. It said, tell that King Hezekiah, tell him this. You say to him, what is it that you are relying on? This is the message he sent. He said, what is it that you are relying on? You think that words are mere strategy and strength for war? He's like, who are you relying on? And can I tell you that the high places in your life will always have you questioning your reliance on God. will always try and convince you that to be dependent on God is not a good strategy for your situation. It will always try and cause you to question the Word of God over your life. Are you really relying still on God? The enemy's goal is to stop you from trusting in God to stop you relying on the promises that He has for you. And so what He does is He keeps us real busy building high places of dependence on everything but God. He wants you to depend on anything but God. I don't think He cares what it is as long as it's not God. Because He knows that if He can keep you that, that, that a, a person who has completely surrendered to God, he knows that a person whose life is completely laid out bare before the Lord is the kind of person who can fulfil any promise or calling that the Lord gives him. He knows that if he can shift your dependency, then he can shift your destiny. And so it's time to take down those high places. It's time to live surrendered to the God who rescued, called you, named you and claimed you and set you free. Let's pray. Oh God, I thank You for every person in this room. Lord, I thank You that You have called each and every one of us with a purpose and a destiny in mind. But God, right now we wanna surrender the high places that we have built in our lives. Whether it's one of these four or a different one, Lord, would You help us to recognise exactly what it is right now. And as we sit here today, God, we say to You, we surrender. We take down that high place and we choose this day to put our total and complete dependence in You. There's one more prayer I wanna pray. 
if you would allow me, I just wanna speak to those people in the room or online today. Maybe you're watching or you're attending here for the very first time, or perhaps you've been doing so for a little while, but you've never made a decision to give your life to Christ. I'm gonna give you that opportunity now because God loves you. He created you and He destined you with a plan and purpose in mind. But that sin that I talked about, oh, it separates us from God. But He wants nothing more than a relationship with you. So do you know what He did? He sent His only Son, Jesus, to go to earth to live a sinless life and die a sinner's death and pay the debt that you and I would do for the sin in our world simply so that we could come back into reconciled relationship with Him. And I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment. And all I'm asking you to do is pray it in your heart. Mean it with everything you've got. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just mean it in your heart. Are you ready? We say, dear Jesus, thank you that you went to the cross for me. Thank you that you paid the debt that I was due. I choose this day to give my life to you. Thank you for the purposes and the plan that you have for my life. In Jesus' name, with every head still bowed and every eye closed, I wanna give you an opportunity now to take one more step. I'd love to be able to acknowledge and know who I'm prayed for today. I'm not gonna call you to the front. I'm not gonna embarrass you. All I'm gonna ask you to do is on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand. You can lift it up. I'll acknowledge it. You can put it straight back down. Online, there's a button you can push that says, I raise my hand. Right now, are you ready? Be bold, be brave. One, two, three. All across this place, hands going up. Awesome, I see you. Anybody else, you're saying, Bex, count me in. I prayed that prayer. Awesome, amazing. I can see you over here. Anybody else, you're saying, Bex, count me in. I prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe coming back to God. Just give another moment for online. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you that you're a God who can take something broken or lost and you can make it whole and found. And God, we celebrate with all of heaven as a party goes off today for lost ones coming home. Come on, church, let's celebrate with Him. Come on, let's lift our voices and give Him praise. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Centre podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz